Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the conversation series. I'm thrilled today to have Colin Garrett here with me. This is this is a new for me. This is I have never had a professional racing driver on here before, so I am thrilled to kind of dive into Colin's world um, and learn more about what he's been doing since the age of 15. Um, but Colin, thank you so much for being here, and I'm gonna kick it over to you to let you introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Colin Garrett. I'm a professional race car driver. Uh, I used to race in NASCAR, um, the NASCAR Xfinity <laughs> Series and trucks, and I'm currently racing in sports cars. So yeah. uh, racing GT4 America and TC America, Touring Car America, okay. and uh, I just just won a championship in that this past year. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit a little bit about me there. So nice. Why why no NASCAR? um just mostly funding wise like i would love to go back and do that but it's so expensive to race nascar so um made a little bit more sense to go over to sports cars for right now um maybe one day go back to nascar i still run like a race or two in nascar like i ran a truck race this past year and attempted an xfinity race but uh, we ended up missing the show because it, it was raining and or it's not raining we went out on wet tires and this is a yeah. whole ordeal but anyway so yeah but yeah you have won eight pole awards you've been on 35 podiums you've had 20 wins and two championships you started i kind of introduced you started this when you were 15 which is not as young as people would think like people start racing far before that what got you into racing and what has kept you going for the last 10 years? Yeah, um, we don't really know what got me into racing. Um, was, yeah, so our best guess is that my uh, our babysitter down the road, I would go over to their house and, you know, they're a nice Southern family. So they watch NASCAR on the weekends. Nice. And uh, so that's like our only guess that I kind of picked it up from there. However, their favorite driver is Tony Stewart and I ended up liking Jeff Gordon. So we don't okay. know where that came from, but um, yeah. So I guess it just, you know, the bug kind of grew from there. I, uh, I had a four wheeler growing up and I'd built like a little racetrack around our field and I'd like pretend that was, uh, you know, a racetrack. And uh, as the years went on, um, NASCAR lowered the minimum age to 14 for our local track here called South Boston Speedway. It's a little less than a half mile short track here. And uh, I was like, oh man, I want to go do that. And they had like this class called the Pure Stock Division, which was like the lowest division. There's like little four cylinder race cars. And uh, I convinced my parents to at least go look at a car. And sure enough, we ended up getting it. And uh, kind of the rest was history there. We took it to um sellers racing here in Danville, Virginia. Um, where Peyton Sellers, he was he's a local legend. He was my hero growing up. And uh we took it to them and I kind of started racing for them um from there on and made uh made actually my first professional start with them in the NASCAR Canon Pro Series, okay. I guess three, three, four years later. So um they kind of carried me to that point where they could no longer, you know, I, I yeah. went off to race for a truck team and Xfinity team after that. So it was, it was really cool to you know, kind of race with my childhood heroes. So yeah. that's, it was kind of like a pinch me moment. Like what in the world, you're kind of looking around, like what in the world is happening right now? How am I out here with these guys? A little bit. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, um, yeah. after that, it just kind of got to the point where it's like, I'm going to the racetrack for a job. Like this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. And yeah. 
Yeah, because people always talk about that, like imposter syndrome and everything. It's like, yeah. no, I, I believe I belong here and stuff. So I don't I know. Yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah. It's just my thing. Like I'm there to do a job, and um, you know, afterwards I'll sit back and think about it. Like, oh man, that's pretty cool. I wish I took that in a little bit more. But um, in the moment, I'm I'm there to work. So. Do you classify yourself at all as like an adrenaline junkie? Like, what is the adrenaline? Does it do anything for you when you're racing at all? Not really. I actually really don't like it. Um, like we'll be getting a car and we'll be getting ready to race or something. And I know we're in a cluster scenario of just like cars everywhere that I don't want to be around. And, uh, you know, once we go racing, it's fine and I can, I figure it out, but, um, I don't like that feeling at all. <laughs> um, it's not one of my best feelings. Um, but I'm also a mountain biker i only like riding downhill stuff which is like the crazy gnarly you take a ski lift to the top and go down <laughs> a mountain so i don't know but i i i use that as kind of like racing too because i when i'm in that mentality like I, what best tires will work for this what you know I'm, I'm just always like trying to be faster in it so um yeah so i don't know i don't know what what i would classify myself as it's not adrenaline chunky because that's i don't know like i do all adrenaline sports but i don't like it so in terms of training, like what is, what is the preparation look like coming up to a race? Yeah. So I do go to the gym a whole bunch. I have a personal trainer here in Danville. Um, go over here, go over there, see him. I'll probably actually go there right after this, <laughs> um, and do that. I was going to try to go to before, but oh well. Um, yeah, you can yeah. tell from my wet hair that I tried to squeeze my yeah. work right before this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll go do that afterwards, but um, obviously the gym and stuff is a big thing. And then uh, I use this platform called iRacing. It's okay. a uh, virtual simulation deal. And uh, you can get on there and basically go to any racetrack in the world and almost any car in the world. Yeah. So I can get on there. It's real enough that I can, you know, practice a good amount. Okay. Um, it's not, you know, the real thing, but it's still like, at least if I've never been to a racetrack before, I can at least know where I'm going when I get there. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the signs, if it's been up to date and everything, a lot of the billboards and everything will be the same. So if I'm going down a straightaway or something, I need a mark for a breaking point or something like that. Um, I can be like, oh, there's a Menard sign or something on the on the side. So um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of neat to see that. And when you get there in real life, it's like, oh man, it's like it is there. <laughs> so um, yeah, there's a few of the racetracks too where you can like pull in the garage area and stuff and kind of drive around. So you just kind of get. <laughs> acclimated to it but um yeah when i was racing in nascar um the team i was racing for was partnered up with uh, trd toyota racing development and uh, they have this like 25 million dollar sim over there i think they've since come out with a new generation of it and you'd go and you li literally get into a race car like it's in a room and you'd get into a race car you'd strap in you were in your helmet your harness like everything all the buttons and shifters and everything work in the car and uh the whole room is like this screen that wraps around there's massive speakers in there and you put in these 3d glasses inside your helmet and you start like pulling off and your brain is like what is happening right now because you know like you're in north carolina but yeah. you're pulling off at michigan international speedway or something like that it is the freakiest feeling ever so um obviously don't have one of those at my house <laughs> but it uh <laughs> it is super cool to uh, super cool to use that kind of stuff for, for the races that would be the best basement i would have ever seen in a house if you did <laughs> yeah yeah downstairs cool. chilling um, yeah do you do work with hand-eye coordination or is that just a separate 
part of you know a completely different side of racing i do um i should probably do it a lot more i have a uh, sports psychologist and a performance coach um that work with me doing that kind of stuff um he's given me a whole bunch of tools for it um i have not done it as much as i should probably but um i actually in the last week i've started doing a little bit more of it um I don't know. I just go through spurts. I actually, so one of his biggest tools is like this Nintendo DS and there's an old game on there from way back in the day. He was like, I don't know who made this, but this is like one of the best hand-eye coordination like things ever. And so I'll get on there and it, it was made for it. And, uh, you know, I just go around and just have like little styles. It feels like I'm back in 2008 or something again doing it, but it's, uh, it's really cool and it helps a lot. I mean, you can definitely see a difference uh, at the end of it. And uh, yeah, there's just some other tips and tricks that he that he does. I can't exactly say that we do, but uh, I don't want to give away all his secrets. But, all, all your secrets. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but it uh, it's it is a big part of what we do. And he comes to the racetrack with me every week, and uh, we work on it. Especially before I get into a car, we'll we'll be doing some exercises and stuff. And it's it's the generic stuff that you see also too, like. I don't know if you ever watched the Formula One stuff where they have the tennis ball. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So the tennis ball stuff or, you know, any of that, any of that deal. So I'm a, like I said, I'm a big mountain biker. So I normally have a bike at the racetrack too. And they'll have me like literally come to a stop on the bike and like balance it and stuff before I get in the car. Just so like all those nerves are, you know, just wake woken up and ready to go. So, yeah. What does a typical year look like in terms of racing for you? Like, are you a race every month? Or what is what is kind of your schedule look like for racing? So when I started racing in 20, well, okay, we'll say real racing in 2016. Because that pure stock year in 2015 didn't really count. We ran like the races at South Boston, but it wasn't really a big deal. Um, yeah. In 2016, I ran like 50. 16 17 races something like that it was pretty pretty relaxed it's probably over 14 weekends or something like that some of those weekends may have had double headers um 2017 it amped up a whole lot and we went up to like 30 races that year and uh i was still in high school and to don't really know how i was allowed to go through high school at that point because um going to school in south boston the racetrack was only like five minutes from the uh, right. high school so my team, which was based out of Danville, they uh, they would just text me like, hey, we're headed to the track with your car right now, meet you there. And I'm like in the middle of geography class or something. And I would be like, gotta go. <laughs> like, so um, See ya. that happened. Yeah, that happened a lot. And it got to the point where all the you know principals and teachers, like they knew who I was and they kind of understood like that, that was the deal. And, you know, it wasn't the first time they've had race car drivers go through there. Um, uh because south boston is right there and jeb burton who's a uh, who races in uh, xfinity series right now is the son of ward burton um you know they they're from south boston too so and he'd gone through the same school stuff and so everyone kind of understood you know so and then uh so i ran like 30 plus races that year got to my senior year um which was the fall of 2017 and i ended up being able to graduate early so i could just you know go on and do my thing shouldn't have been allowed to at all my grades were fine but it was like I missed like so many days you were allowed to miss like 18 days for the entire year and I missed like 18 days like a month so <laughs> it was wild but uh principal he was like you're cool I'm good so got out of there and uh the next year we just went full out and raced a ton of races same thing the next year COVID obviously slowed it down a whole bunch um 
and I got to the point where I was running like the high stuff, like the Xfinity series and stuff. And yeah. to go run those races, it was like $125,000 a week. Um, and that, wow. yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. So, um, obviously the budget wasn't quite there to run all those races, you know, when the local stuff, you, your budget is like that for the entire year where this is like a week. So it got crazy. And, uh, yeah, so it, it kind of petered off a whole bunch. I think in like 2021 or something like that, I ran like seven races, eight races, maybe total. Like it, it just slowed down a whole lot and it was weird. Um, but in 2022, when I made the transition back to sports car racing, I, uh, I kind of amped it back up. We're only racing seven weekends a, a year. However, when we get there, we get there on like a Tuesday and we leave on Monday. So we're there for an entire week. And actually one of my NASCAR buddies and I, we were, uh, we were uh, mapping it or not mapping it out, but adding it all up. And we we're like, I wonder how many days like I'm at the racetrack versus you guys ended up being like exactly the same. Cause NASCAR, they go on like Friday, Saturday and we're there for an entire week. So yeah. ended yeah. up, yeah. yeah. Like you can do a month or a one race a month with that schedule. Cause um, you know, it's an entire week. So it, yes. it's, it's yeah. pretty yeah. drawn out. Now you just said 2021, you made the transition back to sports cars. Like what was the, what made you want to transition back to that? So yeah, this this is my first time ever in sports cars. It was weird. So, um, I don't know what got me into sports car racing. I, I started watching formula one when I was like 15, 16, something like that. Um, I just flipped on the TV one night and formula one was on there and I kind of like blew my mind. I was like, Oh, this is the coolest thing ever. And uh, there's a documentary. It was after, there was like a practice session in uh, Abu Dhabi, which is uh, what I turned on. And then after that was a documentary called One. And I watched that and it was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I just, you know, dove headfirst into that. Um, when I got to South Boston, like the next year, like I kind of thought I was like Lewis Hamilton or whatever. Like I, I had the white fire suit. I had like the white JBL headphone. Like I was, I thought I was the man. Like, yeah, it's just you know, the white racing shoes and everything. Everything was white. Like, I did not look like I belonged at uh, South Boston. And that's kind of become my look for like the last however many years I've been running. I've run white fire suits basically every year. It's like I try not to have a white suit now because it's they just look the same everywhere. If you open yeah. up my closet, I've got like 25 suits in a closet and it's just like white everywhere. <laughs> so there's like, seven maybe seven six six or seven non-white suits but yeah. uh that's one of my goals to not have as many white suits but um <laughs> yeah and so I just you know that's it drew me to that kind of stuff um obviously seeing Formula One that starts watching like rally um watch sports cars obviously having Virginia International Raceway VIR right here by the house too so we have south boston 15 minutes and vir 20 minutes like it's yeah. we're right in the middle i'd go over there and watch the IMSA races um and watch those guys and it's you know it's just it was super cool and my buddies are always like oh you know do you see yourself or do you think you could get into a, a sports car deal and i was like oh i don't know even how to start well my dad had this friend uh, his name was todd brown and they started edward jones together like 40 years ago probably not 40 years ago but 40 we'll say 40 and uh he they started together they were great friends for years and years and years um they kind of broke apart he his buddy left ever jones and he went and started his own deal and you know they, they were still kind of friends but uh didn't see each other as much so 
when I started racing and we were around like 2018, I think my dad was like, Hey, I've got this buddy that like, I know he races stuff, but I'm not quite sure what. And he's like, let's, let's go have lunch with him one day. So we drove up to Culpeper, Virginia and uh, went to go see Todd and uh, he raced BMWs. It was super cool. He had like some BMW E30s, which is my dream car, some 2002s, yeah. um, 2002 turbos, which are actually from like the seventies, but their name is weird. So, um, it is uh yeah he had the cool stuff he raced some racing bmws too so i was like oh man that's that's pretty cool um it was whatever and so a couple weeks later i guess months later we were up at new jersey motorsports park for a nascar canon pro series race and the bmw club was there um okay. kind of running with us like we'd run a session and then bmw would run after us or something like that so um they ended up being there with that. So they came over to like, you know, hang out with us during the weekend and see the cars and see the NASCAR stuff. And, uh, that was kind of it. Like we saw him a couple of times at VIR and that was about it that year. And then I didn't see him for a few more years. Well, in 2021, I was sitting in my apartment. Uh, it's probably like 11 o'clock at night or whatever. I'm sitting there scrolling through Facebook and I see this guy on Facebook, he was wanting uh, a driver for this TCR race car okay. um, for, I can't remember what race it was, but um, it was just like a fun endurance series, but it was like a serious car. So I, uh, I messaged him on Facebook. I was like, Hey man, you know, what's the deal about this? This seems kind of cool. And uh, he ended up calling me at like 11 o'clock at night and we talked for like 45 minutes and uh, turns out I couldn't end up doing that race, but um you know I was like well keep me in mind if there's any races later yeah. on down the road and I think it was around like November October November I get a call from him and he's like hey we're going to uh Circuit of the Americas down in Austin Texas okay. and uh I just got brand new BMW GT4s um uh, I guess not brand new they were used but uh they're the newer generation of them and uh Daniel Suarez is coming to be a co-driver down there do you want it who's a cup driver and uh, he was like, do you want to come down? And I was like, yeah, that, that seems cool. So went down there to run this race car that I'd never seen before in my life. I didn't know anything about it. I'll be like looking at the buttons on the steering wheels. Like, this is insane. And uh, I walked into the garage area and lo and behold, who's beside us is Todd Brown with Rooster Hall Racing, their team. And uh I was like, oh, what's up, guys? Like, I walked over and they were like, what are you doing here? I was like, I don't really know. I'm running that thing over there. And uh, so we kind of, you know, did our weekend. And a couple of weeks later, Todd calls us and he's like, hey, we're going to Sebring down in Florida if, uh, if you guys want to come down and run this BMW M2 with us. And I was like, yeah, that seems cool. So I go down to Florida to run this BMW M2. And I was like, you know, this would just be fun to yeah. like keep myself in the car while I'm waiting for a NASCAR deal or something. And uh, he ended up like halfway through the weekend, him, my dad, uh, my sports psychologist who'd been working with me since NASCAR days, um, who actually comes from sports cars. So this is more like fitting for him. And yeah. then uh, Todd, he had a pro driver uh, the few years before that. His name was Johan Schwartz. Google him, kind of a big deal. He, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the eight hour drift that BMW did yeah. where they had to refuel. That was him. So he, uh, yeah. So <laughs> they were all there and I'd been running for about three days at this point. And I saw them all in a group and like for my dad to be in a group with these guys, I knew like something was up. 
and uh, they come over to me afterwards and they're like, hey, so you're pretty good at this. Do you want to go TC racing this year? And I was like, what is that? They're like, well, you're basically going to run the same car. Um, it'll be a little different, but um, you know, it'll be this and we'll race all over the country and stuff. And I was like, why not? That seems pretty cool. So we shot into hybrid drive and we had like a month and a half to get ready for the first race. They got a car from Texas, got it up there, got prepped. We flew out there to Sonoma and uh, finished like fifth and sixth that first week, but I won in my third start and went on to win like six more races that year, missed the championship by two points. The following year, I uh, moved up to GT4 America, I guess this past year in 2023, and Johan Schwartz ended up being my co-driver. So that was, it was cool to have that kind of come full circle. So you were just recognized as BMW's 12th driver globally. Yeah, that was uh, that was super awesome. We uh, we got to fly out to Munich um, to the BMW factory, and uh, we had this big banquet and stuff. It was really cool. That obviously, the top drivers in the world were all there, and uh, they had some of their factory guys um, that were there as well that we got to got to kind of mingle around with. And uh, yeah, I mean, to be twelfth in the world, obviously, I wanted better. I was a little disappointed when they called my name that early. I was like, oh man, but um, <laughs> it, was, it was still super cool to be up on stage with, you know, kind of the best of the best. On the flip side of driving, like I do want to just hit on your 1111 veteran project and just mm -hmm. hear how, like, why this, why this project, why this certain cause for you? Yeah, so the 1111 veteran project, um, both of my brothers are active army, or I guess one, one's active army, one just got out, I keep, I got to change that because he just got out now. So I always say <laughs> both of my brothers are active army. Uh, one just got out though. Um, and I've had a family member in every, uh, major U.S. conflict, like all the way back to the Revolutionary War. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So, um, my brothers and my half brothers, their dad was a United States army ranger. Um, okay. so yeah, he was kind of like the shit. So, yeah. um, you know, growing up with that and then their, uh, their grandfather was a Navy pilot in Vietnam and stuff. So like, it was just kind of always, we'd been immersed in it kind of our whole yeah. lives. My brothers lived with me um so you know they're like all military stuff and obviously being the youngest i'm gonna you know just do whatever they do at that point so um we played the whole army thing you know all all the way through yeah our childhood and stuff and uh but as we got older my brother went off he went to military school um then he went up to vmi virginia military institute commission yep. in the army did this whole thing and my other brother kind of did the same thing and but it was just still always like there in the background. Um, you know, obviously the military was just always a thing. So when I first started racing, I partnered up with this uh, company called Mission 22. And they're basically just a company to stop veteran suicide. Yeah. And uh, a few years later, we I'd been kind of doing stuff with them, but it was, we were trying to like do some events and stuff that never really worked out. And uh, we ended up working or finding out about this company called Race for Heroes, which was based out at VIR here locally. And uh, I was like, oh, well, let's go see what, what they've got going on. So we went over there. It's run by a bunch of uh, special forces guys, our United States Army Special Forces, and uh, met them. They used racing as kind of like uh, therapy for guys getting out of the military and stuff and trying to find their like uh, their path, you know, back, yep. back in the world and um, you know, they might be losing that brotherhood kind of uh, deal, you know, when they get out of the team. So they can come to Racing for Heroes. They can work in the shop and just, you know, screw around with the guys and stuff and yeah. you know, kind of have that 
uh, brotherhood aspect again. So we partnered up with them in uh, early 2019. The more we did, um, you know, our name kind of got out there that we're doing that and what we're doing with the race cars, we would promote them on the race cars. And then we started working with some other companies. Uh, the first one after that was the Rosie Network, um, which it's run by a lady who, uh, who she was a mill spouse and she kind of helps veteran entrepreneurs and uh, mill spouse entrepreneurs. So um, we, we partnered up with them and then it just started growing yeah exponentially after that i mean it just it went huge so um it got to a point where it's like we can't have all these people on the car like every every <laughs> week like there's not enough space yeah and so that's when and they weren't doing a great job promoting themselves either like a lot of them they, they just have a lot on their plate so like we have them on track at talladega and like they're just not working it like as well as they should have so what we ended up doing was we created the 1111 Veteran Project. And what that did was it kind of became like, uh, actually, I, so I was just in a podcast the other day and this guy came up with this phrase. We were kind of like the hotel liaison for, uh, for <laughs> veterans. So they can come to us and um, we kind of send them where they need to go. So now we're with so many companies. Now we have uh, access to like service dogs. We have ac access to... Um, computer uh not engineering but like software and stuff like people to uh like teach them how to do that all use all the programs and stuff um we obviously have the entrepreneur stuff we have the racing stuff we have i know i'm missing a whole bunch of other people we have a comedy group that we just partnered up with where they use kind of same thing as racing your heroes but they use comedy as their you know kind of um yeah as their uh source so it uh it's cool and now people come to us and we're like what do you need? What do you want? And we can send you in whichever direction that, that you need. So I, I think that's a great cause. And especially, I mean, we're seeing so much, uh, so many men and women coming out of the services and just having trouble reacclimating back into civilian life. And you, you hear yeah. so much right now about just suicide and things like that. So I think as many resources and great resources like this one and helping them get back on their feet. And like you were saying, find a path is extremely yeah. important today. Um, and I, I think as much as we can possibly do for our veterans is, is extremely important. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I'm, I'm around the racing for heroes guys. So they have a for profit side called RFH tactical and, uh, it's, we train, I work with them and we train, uh, special operations guys, we train missionaries, we train all sorts of stuff and tactical driving, obviously special forces guys train them in like the shooting and all that. But we do, I do all the driving portion stuff for them. And, uh, but there's guys like some of the other instructors will come in and they're guys that have gone through the racing your heroes kind of like program of getting back, you know, in that brotherhood. Awesome. And uh, this one recently, he was like my age, I think, and I was just young, 23. And, uh, he'd just been medically discharged out of the army because wow. his stomach exploded in Poland and he had to be like medevaced to Germany. It was in the hospital forever. And, uh, you know, kind of racing for here's kind of saved his life. He came out there for like a month or a month or two or something yeah. like that. And I uh, was hanging out with them and kind of got that brotherhood feeling again. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool to see that. And like, I just don't, me being around it all the time like I don't see it as much you know really? being there but when we have a new guy come in and then he's like oh yeah this like really helped us like oh crap that's yeah it is working so yeah. it's cool yeah the stories you hear are probably the most powerful thing that you could possibly like to hear that what you're doing like what you're doing or the projects that are going on and that you're a part of like that stuff's the coolest shit to be able to hear like hey, yeah yeah we 
actually helping people is, is makes it all worth it. For sure. Yeah. Would you ever go do F1 with your fascination and would you Oh, ever... for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. I would go to F1 in a heartbeat. <laughs> Obviously the, the field is uh, very wealthy and you look at like Yes. 15 out of the 20 drivers they're all dads are like billionaires so um it's a little different there but uh yeah it's the road to f1 is so hard and yeah. i feel like i so i tried to when i first found out about f4 so the formula yeah. 4 u.s championship i found out about that in like 2017 i guess actually it was my championship year uh here in the local stuff at south boston and um i I wanted to transition to that uh, at the end of the year. My dad was like, we have so much money invested in your stock car career. We're not freaking changing completely and going and doing this. And I was like, but it seems cooler. So, um, <laughs> but dad, we didn't do that. Yeah. So we didn't do that. Now that there's a U.S. championship for F4 and stuff, I don't know how big it is. I know, you know, USF 2000 is kind of bigger yeah. here, but um, I feel like you kind of have to start off in that it's still it's so hard you see so many guys that switch over to sports cars or nascar or something from from that because they you know they get to f3 or f2 or whatever and they're like well there was no spot for me at the top because you know either a it's lewis hamilton or you know whoever's filling that role already they're obviously going to choose lewis hamilton or sebastian butter back for or any of those guys yes. over you know a new kid and then all the other seats are filled by you know kids that with rich dad so it uh it kind of it screws up the market over there um so a lot of guys come back run sports cars um you look at the rolex 24 field this year and it was like a ton of formula one guys that kind of made it and then just fell back off and um are racing indycar or sports cars now so yeah i'd love to see so much so much more f1 coming over here because i think it's it's been such a european racing circuit over there it's it's been cool to see more people get involved and get excited and have more interest around it which i think is awesome yeah i wish the problem is you know the vegas one i wasn't actually that much of a shit show like they the media kind of pumped out like the european media made it seem worse than it was because obviously Europe hates America and like everything we have to do with formula one and all that stuff. So they, they try to make it as bad as possible. Like, Oh man, like they weren't ready for a manhole covers. <laughs> like it happens every time F1 goes yeah. to a street course that they pop open a freaking manhole cover. It happens every time. But, um, I do wish having saying that I wish they would go to like a real racetrack instead of all these street courses. And they just announced like the, uh, they're going to like Barcelona or whatever on, in the streets or something like that instead of the racetrack, but they might go back to the racetrack. It's weird, but everyone's like, stop going to street courses. It sucks. Like, it's just not the same. Like, go to an actual racetrack. And there's so many racetracks that they go to. Um, but the problem with that in the U.S. is a lot of the racetracks are in bomb fuck nowhere. So you look at it and it's like, okay, let's say they go to Watkins Glen like they did back in the day. I don't know yeah. if you've ever been to Watkins Glen, but that town is like 4,000 people and are not prepared for a Formula One event at all. <laughs> like has one two lane road that runs down the middle and like no park. Like it's just, it's not prepared for that at all. Yeah. We overwhelm them when we go there with like SRO or NASCAR or something like that. And it's, it's just destroys it. Same thing with Road America, like Road America, middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. It's just, it's a great racetrack, one of the top racetracks in the world. And it's just, there's nowhere to do it. Same thing, VIR, VIR. We're here in South Boston. Like, 
obviously we have Raleigh an hour and a half away, but like yeah. you look at Circuit of the Americas, you have Austin, Texas, freaking 15 minutes away. Like it's just, you know, there's way more hotels and space to put people. So it's just, I think having a Formula One race at a real racetrack in America is just going to screw up the local economy and just overwhelm whatever town it's in. And then the towns also, they're going to be like, well, we see this as a big prospect. So we're going to spend a whole bunch of money to redo the town. And then Formula One could leave in like two seasons. And then they've spent all that money and is there a was there a learning curve for you in terms of technology used in the different cars when you made your transition like is there an advancement and evolution that you've seen as well like what's what's technology now today yeah so like obviously in the nascar stuff um it's not as much but when you get to like xfinity and stuff it actually gets pretty technical um arguably more technical than sports cars on the shop side, we'll say. So there's a lot more engineering and kind of like what you got to do to make those cars go fast, especially because they're all basically the same in NASCAR and you're looking for that like small difference. Yeah. When you get to sports cars, those guys at the shop, like it was kind of interesting because like our GT4 car, um, we'd get it and I'll go into details about the GT4 car in a minute, but um, we get it from factory and it's pretty crazy. I mean, you look at it, technology is insane. I mean, it's, it's basically a GT3 car now. I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, but like at the shop, like don't really do much to it. Like it's yeah. just a normal car. They change the oil on it. They service some parts and stuff. And that's about it. Or NASCAR, they're rebuilding those things every week. They're making sure like every little yeah. thing is right. Yeah. They're changing like just tiny things around the sports car stuff it's like well you know that's the factory thing and that's what we run the rest of the year so um but it gets in the setup stuff it gets a little more and like how to go through the data and stuff on the sports car stuff um it it changes a whole lot and you can it's mostly different on the driving side um nascar you have no data or telemetry or just like anything that goes into that um so you just you don't know you're just going off your feeling you could be a horrible driver and whatever you're doing is just like making it work but um you just don't you don't know it's basically up to the driver like there's so many different driving styles and that stuff where you get into sports car stuff and you can see literally every movement i make in that car based on like my feet my hands just like everything you can see on this graph and so then we can go into that and my engineers can be like, well, you're not doing this right or whatever. You're not hitting the brake pedal like hard enough. One of the big things in sports cars is like, we have so much braking power. You have to just use it all at once. Whereas NASCAR, it was like, you kind of slowly kind of get into it. And uh, sports cars, you just like, I don't know how to, so if like you have a graph and this is like zero and then you get on the brake, it would like shoot up. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of people that have like a little slow curve or whatever, you know, if you're just driving a regular car or whatever, you yeah. want it basically like <laughs> just straight up, like <laughs> no movement at all. Just, um, and then you can zoom in and see like the little tiny, like as soon as you yeah. start getting on the brake pedal. And uh, we had this engineer with us this past year. He's like, you're still like getting into it. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do here. Like I'm hitting it as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> so it, uh, it gets, it gets pretty crazy when you get into that stuff. Yeah. And then what you can do in the car, you can change yourself. We can have, uh, we have live like tire pressures and stuff in our car. Um, okay. We have different buttons and traction control settings and everything. And that's all changed from, um, you know, our new car was the G body BMW and the F body, which is the generation from before this, 
Okay. That car, it was pretty basic in terms of like technology and stuff. It still was pretty crazy. But um, when you go from what BMW Motorsport made in 2019 versus their 2023 model, I mean, it's it's crazy. So my last question for you, Colin, is just what what are you looking forward to this year? What do you have coming up? What is uh, what is 2024 look like for Colin? I don't really know yet. Um, that's the million dollar question. Um, literally, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, we're working on a few different things. It's okay. funny because in this sport, um, you get offers, but you still have to pay like a team will be like, oh, we want you to come drive for us. But it's like, we want you to pay to come drive for us kind of deal. So it's, it's a little funky that way. But, um, you know, I have ton of offers. Like I said, we're just trying to get funding right now. That's the big thing. So, um, I've a couple offers from teams that I would a hundred percent go to like right now. Um, they're really good teams, really big teams. And we have a shot to win it all basically over there, but it's just a matter of getting the funding to be able to go over there. So it's, uh, racing has just become such a weird sport and it's not really recent. It's been happening since, you know, back in the Nikki Lauda and formula one, you know, paid his way into the sport. So, um and that's just become the norm for racing now so it's just difficult you got to go find your own sponsorship and stuff and um you know thankfully we do actually we just met a team owner that is like actually actively working for sponsorship for me slash himself because it's like it makes sense because that money's going to him anyway why would he not try to go out and try to find sponsorship as well so um you know so we'll, we'll see what happens i don't really have anything planned right now um like I said, I'm a big mountain biker though. And there are a bunch of mountain bike races throughout the year. So we get to the point where I'm not, uh, not going to be in a race car this year. It's not looking like I'm going to be in it full time. I'm probably going to start racing bikes for a little bit. Um, just to, just to kill time and get that bug out of me. And then, uh, you know, we'll just continually work towards next year if, if nothing happens, but, um, fingers crossed. I think we have a good chance to be in Sonoma in April. So we'll, we'll see, but cool. yeah. Where's good mountain biking around you? Is there good? Not anywhere close. Okay. <laughs> so, I was about to say, where yeah. in the world are you mountain biking? Yeah, there's a, uh, there's actually pretty good single track, like cross country trails in Danville, but I don't okay. cross country, right? I mean, I try not to, like if I'm just here in, in town, like I'll, I'll go over there and ride just and that honestly will keep you in shape more than anything else. But um, I like downhill stuff. Ski lift takes you to the top. You're on yeah. a big bike. You go down that and you get more of a workout doing that than anything else. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So it, uh, you got to drive basically snowshoe West Virginia or Asheville, North Carolina or somewhere like that. So, um, yeah, nowhere, nowhere close. And it's normally a thing. Like I've tried to do it a couple of times in like a day and it, it beats you out. You drive four and a half hours up the snowshoe you ride for, you know, six, seven hours, then you yeah. drive four and a half hours back. It's a long day when you get back. So it, uh, it's, it's a bit difficult, but, um, yeah, so yeah. nowhere close. Yeah. So. I was, I, I have family up in Lake Lore, North Carolina, and it's mm-hmm. like beautiful, great mountains. And I'm like, I'm like, you will never catch me biking around. I'm like, I'll walk. But I'm like, <laughs> that is as good as you're gonna get because it is it is so skinny um yeah and that's where i'm like my fear of heights i'm like this is not gonna this would not end well for me 
Yeah, that's that's I like bike parks a lot more, especially if you're going to be doing stuff like that. Because yeah. bike parks and they're normally like ski resorts or something like that. So they, uh, you know, they have a dedicated crew and their trails are pretty wide. So you have room for air relatively unless you hit a tree or something like that. But like if you get offline a little bit, you're not going to go off the side of a mountain. Like I've ridden a little bit like up in Roanoke and okay. um, stuff like that, that you are literally on a little tiny trail. Yeah through the woods and you know it's just a drop off next to you and my 21st birthday I went uh just by myself and I was like it's gonna be fun something fun to do I had nothing else to do that day so and I was riding and I crashed and I went down like down the mountain and my bike was like falling down the mountain and I had to like hold on the trees and like dig steps out and like pull my bike back up is it's pretty gnarly but yeah so I like a little bit wider trails you get room for error and stuff and uh yeah so bike parks are normally the best option for that and they're just maintained better so i'd be like this is where i'm gonna die right here is right here yeah, yeah. But that's also the thing like i'll go on like some hiking trails and like this this would be more fun on a bike <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I get that i get that well, yeah. Colin, thank you so much for bringing me into your world and teaching me so much today um and i will have my eye out to see what racing has in store for you this year and if not yeah what mountain biking you're doing but i just, uh, i appreciate you taking the time and uh sharing your world with me yeah of course thank you for having me on this has been a blast yeah absolutely and if you guys do not follow colin i will have all of his socials down below so please go give him a follow but uh, as always, I will see you guys back here next time. Bye, y'all.